Hi everyone, this is Liam Deco with Student Screenwriting. Today we're here with writer Chris Corbett. Hi Chris. Hello Liam. So before we start, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay, uh, I'm probably what you call a multi-culty or multicultural type. I was born in the UK, I was raised in California, and now I live in Switzerland, so I'm fortunate to call three places home. I've been working the last many years in corporate communications at uh, Fortune 50 companies and at their headquarters here around Zurich. And in my spare time, I've been writing and I've completed one novel and I'm just now finishing a nonfiction book that is based on the uh, teaching approach of a ski teacher in Zermatt who has a very unique way of uh, instructing people what today we call mindfulness, but when he was active, it was just being aware of your feelings. And he taught people like uh, David Bowie and different CEOs and whatnot. So that's finishing up now. It's going back to the editor for another round. And I have a second novel, which I was working on and also came back from my editor and is a thriller, very different than my first mm -hmm. book and takes place in Zurich in the world of private banking and the international arts scene. So uh, it's uh, a bit uh, another direction than my first book, which was set in California in Silicon Valley in the 70s. And I sort of rewrote a bit the early life story of Steve Jobs that made it into a Romeo and Juliet story. Oh, awesome. So what I'm getting is that you like using, yeah, you like writing about real experiences and, you know, you, you try, you try to take things from your life, right? Like the settings in California and Zurich and kind of like your job and incorporate it into your stories. Yes, exactly. And you always hear this one expression in writing classes. It's like, write about what you know, which on one hand is your experience, but on the other hand, you can substitute experience with really good research. Yeah. And in fact, if you're doing exotic locations, Google Maps, Google Street View can put you right there. But um, coming back to my experience, yes, uh, I grew up in Silicon Valley and was a neighbor of Steve Jobs. We were the same age. So uh, I, maybe met him at one of these parties at Intel where he was working and one of my friends were working and the guys get together after and drink beer. I don't know. Nobody yeah. came up to me and said, Hey, do you want to put stuff together in my garage? You know? And I always thought, yeah. well, I could have been Apple employee number three or something. <laughs> and the funny thing was that my dad was an engineer. He was um, a mechanical engineer. And when I turned 18, he said, son, I have a little bit of advice for you. And I said, great, dad. You know, and he says, look, I don't know what to tell you to do in your life, but 
I can tell you what not to do. And I was like, great. Yeah, tell me. And he says, well, there's, don't think about computers. There's no future in that. So, you know, whatever you do, don't put that in your, your plans anywhere. And I was like, great. Thanks, Dad. And here we are, middle of Silicon Valley. You know, these companies like Apple are just starting out. And so you could say I sort of missed the boat on that because yeah. I moved to Los Angeles and I actually uh, had a publishing business for eight years. Well, so uh, why don't we go back to the beginning? So because this is a writing podcast. So like at what age did you start getting into writing? You know, what made you start? Well, the whole work with the publishing company was editing work. I was sitting on the other side of the desk from the writer. So I would be doing that. And I was in my late teens. So that was my introduction by by fire, as you might say. It wasn't that I went and did an MFA course and came out and, you know, had read all this amazing literature. I just got in and started doing it. But my actual writing only began when I moved to Switzerland. Oh, so, so it's quite recent. Yeah, well, recent. I've been here 30 years, so. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, you could say it's recent, but. Yeah. Uh, so this thing about write about what you know. And so when I had the idea for this novel, Nirvana Blues, which takes place in California in the 70s, I was drawing on a lot of my experiences mm-hmm. and a lot of people I knew and so forth. Plus, like I say, I, I did research, a lot of research to make it authentic as far as the details of what was going on and this kind of thing. Yeah. And for the novel I'm, I'm just completing, I took a lot of what I knew from working in uh, the corporate world. I was the last 10 years in a, in a financial services company, a very big one, and so had some insights there and <clears throat> also living yeah, in a, in yeah. a different town than where I grew up, it to me was an inspiration. And it reminded me of the early days in in Europe of the American expat writers community. When you think of Ernest Hemingway and um, Scott Fitzgerald in the 1920s hanging out in Paris and uh, that sort of expat lifestyle. And I, I always loved Hemingway's uh, book, uh, Fiesta, or The Sun Also Rises, that describes that moment in time in, in Paris as a starving artist, beginning writer, and the sense of being in that place. And so in my work, I like to give a sense of place to the story that people are immersed in the in in the narrative and a lot yeah. of people are familiar with Los Angeles because you see it in the movies or TV shows or whatnot as a background but Switzerland is, is different and there is a very unique character to this city and the, the different aspects of life that uh, are interesting so I hope to capture yeah. that mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, so you, you were talking about how you got a a job at the at a publishing company in in your teens. How, how did you get that job? It was really interesting because I I had a circle of friends in Los Angeles and um, through that uh, group of people, I was introduced to a man who owned several businesses and he needed help with the publishing business. And I was brought on. It was a very small operation, but it was a jack-of-all-trades role. So not only did I do the editing, I also did the marketing and also some of the production. So it was uh, quite a, uh, a, you could say like a, a startup. And yeah. so it just began through through networking that I, I found that role. Uh, what kind, what, what did you guys publish at the publishing company? Was it books or music? It was very simple. Uh, one of the main publications was an astrological calendar that we did every year, a moon guy calendar. Oh, okay. Written with by a local astrologer. And also uh, the other type work we did was in-house publications, one of which was uh, a Spanish-speaking TV station across the street because we oh. were... We were located in this old rundown film studio across the street from Paramount in, in Hollywood on Melrose Boulevard. So, uh, yeah, had contacts there. So, uh, what what did you look what did you look for in like a person before signing them and publishing with like their work all their work? Well, I think the same sort of uh, criteria would be what a larger publisher today would be looking at. First, it would be uh, the quality of the writing. Is this person uh, understanding how to structure a story, how to describe characters, how to create a setting, how to inject drama and conflict and all that when we're talking about fiction? Also, the originality and of the idea of what the story is about. And then there's this thing called voice, which you start to uh, understand when you read the same writer and, and then read another writer, there's a difference between how they talk through words, you you know, you you call it voice. So that if you, if you are, lucky you're going to find somebody with an original voice with a fresh story and that's the kind of thing where you have hope that you can find a market do you think somebody can just do you think people are born with their own voice or do you think you have to you have to practice to get it i think to work for it it's a bit of both because uh some people maybe they're raised in a family where your father's a literature professor and your mother is uh, an editor at a magazine then very early on you're going to be influenced in in that Uh, the other side of the equation is finding your voice finding uh, your authentic self and i believe that is uh, an aspect of writing that you develop 
just by the act of writing and keeping it your writing. And the more you write, the more clear your voice becomes and the more confident you are. And when you express, you're expressing it in your own unique uh, yeah. way. So I saw that after you worked at uh, after you worked at your, your publishing company, you moved on to work on, at Playboy and Disney. You even worked on a, an Academy-winning uh, film there. Can you tell us about like more about that and how you got into those companies and how you worked on those films? Yeah, you know, Los Angeles is the movie capital of the world, more or less. So there's a lot of production companies and studios there. Well, talking about that, do you think somebody has to live in L.A. to get into the industry, at least get into the industry easily? I, or do you think you can live anywhere to get there? Well, I, I, I believe both are true. I hate to keep saying both sides of everything, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, the fact that I was living there and I had friends working in the industry, I could do work like for Disney or uh, on a Academy film because I knew people working on those projects and I wasn't the director or anything that glorified. I was simply what you call a production assistant, but okay. you, are, you are on the set and you are working and you have a sense for how uh, films are put together. Playboy, I was an editorial assistant and everybody mm -hmm. thinks, oh, great, you're hanging out at the Playboy mansion with all these bunnies. <laughs> yeah. Not quite. It was a, a very tall office building on Sunset Boulevard with the bunny logo up on the top. And uh, it was an editorial office. It was a, a place of business. It wasn't a, a party place. So uh, that those roles came by virtue of the fact that that was my neighborhood. That was where I was living. So... I had, uh, through my network of friends, uh, introductions. As far as somebody living far away, I still believe it's possible, and I haven't given up on that dream myself to see uh, my books get made into films. So mm -hmm. I'm focusing on, on how that works. And just as an interesting example, here in Zurich, every year they have the Zurich Film Festival. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times there's people who come over from Los Angeles either to be a, a guest speaker or a, a jury uh, member to judge the films and so on. And so one year when my book first came out, I... Uh, did a little research. I got the program from the film festival and there were a couple of uh, producers who I thought would be interesting to talk to who I thought might like my story. Yeah. And so one of them was a guy named Stephen Namath from Los Angeles and he had produced the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with John. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And my book is a bit kind of crazy story in California. So I thought, okay, he's a good guy for that, right? So yeah. I got him a copy of the book through the press office. And I was very surprised when a couple of days later he called me 
and asked to meet. So we met for a coffee and had a really good chat. He was, he was really interested in the story. And he asked if I could produce a treatment, which is basically a, a synopsis. Yeah. Or the screenplay. And I was uh, very bold. And I said, well, actually, I've started the screenplay. I hadn't told him I had just written the, only the title page, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. so he was, he was good with that. And he said, okay, cool. When you're done, send it over. And he gave me his card and so forth. So uh, I went and downloaded uh, Final Draft and uh, set to work converting my novel into a screenplay. And over the years, I had read many books about screenwriting. And some people say that my novel is a bit cinematic in the way it's written because yeah. uh, there's a lot of dialogue and, and vivid description. So it was not that difficult to task, but to do it properly, it still took me about six months because I was working for the, in financial services uh, full time. Yeah, yeah. And I sent it off to him and he liked it. But at that point in time, he had shifted to working on documentaries. So Ooh, it, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't find a home, but it doesn't mean that it won't find a home. And I think. Have you tried, uh, you know, showing it to other people, submitting it to competitions and such? I'm getting to that point. I've just been uh, wrapped up in the ski book, which has taken a lot of time. And uh, be, besides that, I was working, doing some freelance work. I, I finished work in financial services, and then I went into freelance writing, and I got a job, for a year and a half contract in a pharmaceutical company writing stories. You know, it's great. Ooh, you get paid yeah. money to write stories. But it, again, was very demanding. So things have, have kind of slowed down but now that's all behind me and I'm going and I'm looking to re-engage and particularly that you got paid to write stories for a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what? It's a, okay. You have to talk about that. Okay. For all these years I've been in Switzerland, I've been working at different companies in corporate communications, which is internal communications for, uh, the company itself. And yeah. a lot of that work is, you could say, boosting the company, doing internal PR. And yeah. uh, the work, so it's another kind of story writing. It's another kind of communicating, but you still have to be concise and structured and focused. Yeah, I, and, I feel like it shows you you can get a job as a writer really anywhere if you look for it. Yeah, because... You, yeah. I've worked in not only pharmaceutical and finance, but also in IT and in the chemical business, always doing the same work because the skill is transferable and mm -hmm. you just have to get up to speed with the subject matter and uh, you can, you can go to town. So uh, it is something that you can you can certainly make money at when i was working freelance i was making really good money it was you yeah. know crazy money you know and i was not even the top dog in the in the pecking order you know there were 
guys I was working with, we were a small team and um, the, the, the guy who was the, the, the lead guy, he was making a uh, thousand francs a day. So there, wow. is, there is good money there. But uh, coming back to the uh, work on finding uh, an interested filmmaker for your book, I think what's, what's important is to have a good story. It comes back to like that first question that you had asked me about what do you look for as a publisher in a perspective, in, in a perspective uh, book to publish. And you want an original story. It's got to have engaging characters. It's got to have uh, a conflict and resolution, all that sort of classic storytelling structure and uh, originality. And hopefully there's a, a place for that besides just another reboot of a Marvel superhero story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe there is. I believe that now we're in... Uh, another golden age, because when you look at how Netflix and uh, HBO Max in the States and Apple and, and uh, Amazon, they all have studios and they're all looking for content. They're all hungry for content. So I believe there's a, a huge market. Yeah. And but, but a question that a lot of young screenwriters want to know is how, how do you get your work to people like that, to the studios? The typical way is what you hinted at when you said, uh, was I entering my screenplay in any contest? Certainly getting uh, first, second, or third place in a contest is a good calling card. Mm -hmm. And the studio system works very similar to the publishing world in as much as you should have an agent to represent you. Okay. And to engage an agent is again auditioning for them by showing them what you have and so like the, sending out queries right queries. yeah but more queries. important is having something to show because your calling card is your writing and yeah, yeah. you should have two or three screenplays in your back pocket as samples Dude, okay. that's what they're going to want to see. They're going to want to see, you know, can he actually write a screenplay, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you're dedicated to the craft, you'll jump in and you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to, to, to make stories. I have, after my uh, Zurich novel, a long list of, of, of stories I want to do. So, I think if you get into the creative world and you yourself are uh, motivated, ambitious, you're going to keep at it and keep producing stuff. And I heard an interesting um, podcast last night with a writer where he was saying it was only after his seventh book that he got a film deal. He writes these sort of dystopian uh, novels about uh, a, a bleak future and everybody living yeah. underground and so on. And uh, it's now being produced. But even after he got the first interest from a film producer, he had Ridley Scott interested. Wow. 
And yeah. then uh, they got uh, a, a good team together, but they just couldn't get it off the ground because uh, a lot of times what happens, a writer will have their novel um, optioned, which means a film studio say, okay, we're going to take the option to produce this. We're going to give you so many thousands for that. Yeah. And they basically have it locked up, but nine out of 10 times, nothing happens. I have a, a friend in California who was New York Times top 10 bestseller for his thrillers. And uh, he's still struggling to get a, a film deal, even though at one point he had Tom Cruise option one of his books. Well, do you think uh, young filmmakers should you know, just try and make their own scripts into their own movies instead of trying to find somebody to option it or buy it? Well, there was a, another interesting podcast I listened to, uh, Joe Rogan interviewing Quentin Tarantino. Uh, a week oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to that. I listened to that. Yeah, and no. Tarantino's talking about how he started, and he was ready to make his own film, The... Um, uh, My Best Friend's Birthday, I think. Was that it? Um, that was his first one. Okay, yeah, and then there was the other one. Ah, I'm trying to think. Mind blank dusk about. till dawn or something uh reservoir dogs reservoir yeah yeah i don't, yeah, I don't know what and, thinking, yeah. and he was ready to shoot it as i recall he was ready to shoot it on super eight and then his writing partner said well let's give me three months or six months mm -hmm. let me see what i can do and he found actually a home for it so yeah who knows if it would have been what it would have been if he had done it as a home movie but again coming back to this this sense of being a, a creative uh, factory and, and, and churning out stories, that was Tarantino's thing. He yeah. was he sold his first screenplay to finance the making of uh, Reservoir Dogs. So he, was, he wasn't um, directing it at that point. So I think that comes back to why I say uh, an aspiring screenwriter should have a script that he's totally passionate about. He's made it the most amazing story imaginable. Yeah. And someone who reads it is going to, to see that. And uh, not to be disappointed that the first script maybe doesn't get uh, a warm reception, but work on the second one, work on the third one, have have a bunch in hand and then somebody who's interested is going to say, Hey, this guy can really write, you know, and yeah. uh, maybe your uh, screenplay doesn't get produced, but maybe they invite you to join a writer's room working on a TV series. That's also yeah. something that could happen. So, uh, so uh, of course a bunch of teenage screenwriters, uh, you know, they're not the best at telling their stories. Oh, what do you think is the best way for them to improve? Is it to write more or, you know, go to film school? Uh, I see you also actually went to uh, uni uh, University of California in Berkeley. Yeah. Um, uh, did you study filmmaking there? Or, yeah, uh, actually, I studied psychology. So Psychology, yeah. But if you are somebody interested in writing screenplays, you should, first of all, watch as many movies as you can. Yeah. Second of all, you should read uh, uh, books about uh, screenwriting. There's quite a few good ones out there. Mm -hmm. And also, 
uh, practice your craft. And uh, when you look at Tarantino, he didn't go to film school. He was no. a, a guy working in a video shop, but he he watched videos day in and day out, and he you know he became this film nerd that you know then yeah. had a vision for creating his own genre which was a, a subgenre of the gangster uh, yeah. type story. Yeah. So it's sort of immersing yourself in that, uh, that universe. I think that gives a lot of people a sigh of relief because nowadays college costs so much. And, you know, uh, you know, now they know that they don't have to go. And knowing that f film school doesn't always mean you're going to, become great such as Tarantino, right? Well, as I, uh, as I recall, both Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were film school dropouts. So, you know, yeah. So well, yeah, yeah. the value, certainly going to film school is like going to uh, a, an MFA program in writing and all you're doing for four years is reading literature and writing or in a film school, you're watching films, critiquing films, and probably also writing your own first screenplays. So yeah, uh, recently I read about the Columbia MFA screenwriting program. Um, none of the people working there actually managed to become successful in the industry. Uh, and the teachers were people who just graduated from the program, oh, you know, yeah. and, and the only people really, who made it was, I think, uh, like three people who just dropped out. And then they managed to make a name for themselves. Yeah, maybe if you go to UCLA or USC and you're in the heart of the filmmaking universe and the yeah. advantage there is the networking, you, mm -hmm. you know, the professors know people and, and, and so on. So uh, there's an advantage there. But like you say, if the school has not got qualified teachers like that you know yeah. uh so would you tell a high schooler or even a college student now uh that they should be trying to get into the industry you know at this age or do you think they should just work on their writing and not focus on anything else well to get in the industry could again lead to contacts but it doesn't uh it, it it depends on location, and uh, certainly if you're in Lon London, New York, or Los Angeles, or perhaps even Berlin, there's uh, quite a, a, a film community around, quite a lot of productions going on, and you can already uh, get some exposure to the, to the business and start building up a network of friends, because at the end of the day, a lot of it is 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 who you know and yeah. at the same time as good as that may be you know that you have these people that you know uh you need to be able to show them something that is of uh, a quality that they can support that they would take to uh the head of a studio or something so it, it, it's certainly valuable to uh, go to film festivals, meet people, even as just a, a spectator like I did and uh, meet different people like this film producer I mentioned and uh, also 
uh, be active in the in the the local community where you are, and even if it's just working on a a, a friend's homemade film, you don't know. Maybe that friend in two years is gonna have a film deal. So yeah, it's it's about being in love with that uh that that creative process and wanting to be a part of it and then mm-hmm. having your own way to engage in it by telling a story yeah yeah um well i think that's it chris uh you know thank you for coming on the show uh it means a lot oh you're very welcome thank you for tracking me down and i hope there's some useful advice in there that uh, people can benefit from. Thank you for coming, Chris. If anyone wants to know more about Chris, check out his website, chriscorbett.com or his Instagram, chriscorbett001. Thank you for listening to the Student Screenwriting Podcast.